Oh man, Infinity War. What a film. Oh boy. Whereas uh, I think Austin and I dubbed it on our little Hideous Energy episode, um, Marvel's Avengers. Um, suck our balls, nerds. <laughs> like that's what, it, that's what it felt like in a good way, like in a way where it's like, uh, obviously there's going to be spoilers in this. Yeah. Um, in a in a good way where it's like everything that you thought you wanted, we know that you wanted that too, and oh. we're not going to give it to you. <laughs> oh man, like I. It's great. Yeah, I, I, I straight from the get go. Like, I, first of all, like rest in peace, Korg. I'm. Fucking... See, I don't know if he's gone though. Him. Well, him the, and Valkyrie. I mean, the the entire. Oh, good point. Thing is, the the whole ship got blown up. Yeah, but wasn't was there another ship? I couldn't remember that. No, from the end they of were Ragnarok. they were all on. I, I mean, the end of Ragnarok. They're all on the bridge of the ship, looking out, saying, "Oh, we are uh, whatever the fuck." <laughs> Asgard. <laughs> we are Asgard, and yeah. um, then out of nowhere, uh, the um, the the ship like. Uh, the ship turns up so i think they were all on the same ship so the only reason i thought maybe they potentially got away is that there's a point in infinity war where thor says something he's talking i think he's talking to thanos and he's like uh almost all of my people are he killed almost all of my people and i immediately was like dickhead he killed all of your people (laughs) they were all on that ship so Mm. it made me wonder if me if they had split off in some way or if that's something they're going to bring in later, I, I where they were so. like, because if not, he's the only Asgardian left. Valkyrie's right? like one of the best new characters that they brought in, uh, along with Korg. And I, I mean, don't Korg want... is a pile of rocks, but you're absolutely right. I yeah, <laughs> he was great. He, he's dumb as rocks, but he is rocks. So what do you expect <laughs> from the guy? But it it just makes me very sad off the get go if if that's the case that they've cut short a bunch of characters that had real kind of potential but that that's as may be um that's not the biggest thing that kind of came out of that really and i i was expecting i was fully expecting as was pretty much all of the internet including kevin smith uh i think we all expected loki to to kick the bucket in this movie i was expecting slightly more um more more out of his death yeah, like I, I, I feel like it's a moment of redemption with kind of you know kill away and then saying no, actually fine, I'll give you the tesseract. That's I'm I'm fine with that. That's like a that's probably one of the more kind of like human things that he's ever done for anybody. Uh, well, I think that was yeah, and um, I, I anybody who's listened to the hideous energy episode I did with Austin. Anything I'm going to say on this one, well, not anything, but uh, a lot of it's going to be a repeat, probably. I probably. just feel bad saying it, but yeah, don't don't go listen to that one if this is the first one you're listening to. No, you <laughs> should totally go and listen to that one because Austin's going to be on that one and he has opinions <laughs> as well. So yeah, but Austin's <laughs> dumb, man. You know that. You know how much we hate Austin around here. Um, <laughs> not that, true. That's obviously, that's obviously a joke. Um, uh, it, it very much like that was a moment in the movie to me that felt. Uh, I, I think I said emotionally manipulative on the other show, but not in a bad way necessarily. Mm-hmm. Where there's been this whole will he, won't he thing in every Thor movie and every Avengers movie that Loki's shown up in with Loki, where yeah. it's like, is he a bad guy? Is he a good guy? Mm. They always do that thing at the end where 
he does the good thing or the bad thing, and then the last second, Metal Gear Solid, hello, Mr. President-style twist. Yeah. He's actually a, a double, double, double agent on the other side. They always keep doing that. This was the first time that they were consistent in saying over and over again, like three different times in the opening sequence, Loki is always doing stuff for good. Like, they're they're consistent with that. And I think that was because they wanted you to really f- connect with them before they murdered him. <laughs> yeah. So there's not any sort of sense of ambiguity before he dies of, was he going to betray Thor? He's pretty firmly on Thor's side. Yeah. Uh, I, I, or at least is anti-Thanos. I love the fact that Loki is very much... He does kind of stay true to himself in that he's always been a double-dealing son of a bitch. Right. And he, he tries to pull that shit with Thanos, but it just doesn't... It doesn't work out for him. And it's a pretty gruesome death scene too. It's kind of Yeah, like there's there's no real kind of glory in it. It's just no. snap and that's it. You're done. Your your neck's broken. Um which that was the perfect way to start the movie because it immediately sets it up as okay, yeah, look, we are actually gonna kill people in this movie. Oh um, yeah. And, they and I, I love to. the opening scene. Um, the way, like the opening shot where it's that tracking shot of Ebony Maul's feet as he walks around all of those dead uh, Asgardians and he's talking like, Mm. I loved all of the Black Order, like the henchmen of Thanos. Like I thought they all looked really cool. I thought that they all had like the right amount of personality and individuality and and, like visual Mm. uniqueness without feeling, I never felt the need that I needed more out of them. No. But it, it was cool that he didn't just have, like, a bunch of goons. Like, he had these four dudes that all had, like, really cool looks and, mm. and voices, distinct voices. In their own uh, right. They, they they could very easily have been the big bads in their own right. Like, Ebony Moore was, oh yeah, with the exception of a fantastic Aliens reference, like, that, it's, it, he, he was pretty much, like, star of the early show. Which is kind of, like... I, I love that whole sequence, and I love him. I wasn't, like, bummed, but I was like, man, if I really loved Ebony Maw, he kind of went out like a punk. <laughs> like, a little bit. As, as much as they fought him, <laughs> and he was just, like, telekinetically chopping cards in half and stuff. Mm. Uh, when he got sucked out into space, I was like, oh, how's he going to fly back in? And I was like, oh, oh he's dead. Oh, <laughs> I yeah, didn't he, he's going to be tied up that quick. He's not Princess Leia. He can't just force himself <laughs> back into the, into yeah, the spacecraft. Um, and those guys are all straight from the comics um and yeah. from newer comics too hickman uh hickman's infinity miniseries he mm. cre- he introduced those guys in the past like five years because i wasn't uh, familiar with them particularly uh, i was aware of them because of uh, some uh, like mini statues that were debuted at a show somewhere and they had all of them kind of like standing there and it was like ebony moore obviously and um, I can't remember her name, but the... Proxima Midnight. Proxima they Midnight. Have, they all have awesome names. The most <laughs> rock star name of any Marvel character yeah, ever. Ebony Mob, Proxima Midnight. Um, uh, uh, Call Obsidian is the big dude. And mm-hmm. that one's weird, too, because in the comics, that's the name of their group. They're called the Black Order, or they sometimes call them the Call Obsidian. Mm-hmm. So I joked on Hideous Energy, it would be like if a new character showed up and they were like, this is my friend, Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, it's kind of weird if you know the <laughs> comics, because that's their group name. This is Jimmy but, Avenger. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is the Avengers. Um, but then, uh, what's, the, what's the third dude's name? His name was Black Dwarf in the comics, and they changed it in the movie to Call Obsidian. Uh, okay. uh, Corvus Glaive 
which is yeah probably the most D and D sounding name of the of the bunch. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like they, I agree with you. Like they, they all had really good looks, and um, they felt very, uh, very strong in their own right. Like that, they handled the Avengers easily at times. Um, yeah, but. I, I think that probably did a good job of just kind of like showing us just how powerful Thanos must be if he has people working for him that are that powerful. And then obviously he gets to have a fight with the Hulk at the beginning, uh, which I I love the idea of Bruce Banner having kind of like um, erectile dysfunction with the Hulk. <laughs> uh, yeah, and in a very, after you say that metaphor, in a very disturbingly visual way yeah. for his green penis head is throbbing out of banner's head Um, but someone i I liked that too and that was another hey suck our balls nerds marvel moment where they're just teasing you over and over again when's the hulk gonna come back when's the hulk gonna come back Mm. never comes back well i was expecting him to bust out of the armor as i think most people were yeah but the the funny thing for me was like i'm sitting there and in my head i'm thinking bruce banner's a smart guy right can't he just point out to the hulk in his head when he's arguing with himself that if i die then you're dead as well like, yeah, I it, mean, maybe that's an argument he'll make in part two. I don't know. Yeah, it definitely could be like, and I also thought that part was funny when he puts the gauntlet on, he puts the glove on uh, Obsidian, <laughs> called Obsidian, yeah. because I didn't even realize that until someone pointed out earlier that he says, all right, I'll do it myself. Yeah. Which is just like straight callback <laughs> to Thanos saying that, <laughs> which is just for the audience because Banner obviously didn't know, but no. Uh, yeah. That's really um, cool moment. I what you just mentioned, I think, was one of the things I was most surprised by of the mm-hmm. movie, which is the phrase in the next one, uh, yeah. because the movie does like when they announced it, obviously, it was Infinity War part one and part two when mm-hmm. they announced their their upcoming slate. And then when they got further along, they changed it and they were like, now it's just the untitled Avengers sequel. Like we don't have a we don't have a, a name for the second one, mm-hmm. but it's not part two. Um, so everybody then the speculation of like, what's the second one going to be called? Is it going to be secret invasion? Is it going to be a different uh, event that they, you know, that they are known for? Mm. Um, I, I can't imagine that the next movie, even if they do something like that, where it's like, here's a new threat, here's a new story. Here's something that's not exactly directly connected to the first one. There's no way they're going to be able to not deal with the effects of this movie well, in, in a major way. Like, yeah, like I'm, I'm trying to think. I, I think they can get away with it to an extent because Ant-Man is due soon. I think they can set that just before the events of this and get away with it. Um, so that should be fine. Um, then you've got Captain Marvel, which is set in the 80s, so that's not going to be an issue. Uh, maybe the end credit scene for that is her finally turning up to answer the call of uh, of Nick Fury, who's disappeared into the ether. That part was oh, awesome. Yeah, when I I felt like kind of a dickhead nerd in the theater though when um oh I'll get to my showed, moment for that <laughs> yeah when it showed just the symbol and I was like oh sweet no yeah. one else reacted and I was like oh, oh man, man I look like the pretentious dickhead no I I was sat there and um. Red Skull turned up, and I was like, "Oh, because I that, did not expect that at all." That the way he looked and what they did with him was so fantasy that yeah. I was so into that when they were like, when he was like, "I've been here for a lifetime." A lifetime. And when he said that at first, I was like, "What are you talking about, man? Stop being a baby!" And then I was like, "Oh no, he did disappear in the forties. <laughs> He's been there for like seventy years." Yeah, um, but the 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 way he, they made him look and the way that he was like. He had this new role mm-hmm. as like in the credits, his name is like, 
I don't remember if they give him his full name, but it says like Red Skull, and then it says like Stonekeeper. Yeah. And and parentheses like there's there's so much there. I talked about that on Hideous Synergy too. Like I I want to know that story, and I guarantee you it's going to be like just regulated to some digital only Probably. free comic Could, issue of that. Because like didn't they? It wasn't it supposed to be fairly like regular knowledge that he wasn't interested in coming back. Uh, Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I'm I'm pretty sure it was because of the makeup. I remember. Mm. Well, it, it, it looked he was... mainly CG in this, so they yeah, kind of got around that. They just got him to do the voice. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, and he, he didn't even do the voice. It was. Oh, uh, did he not? Was a new guy. Oh, okay. Well, that's but a way around it. It was this dude, Ross Marquand, Marquand, however you say his name. Apparently, mm-hmm. he's on The Walking Dead or Fear the Walking Dead. I don't know. I don't watch either of them. But okay. he's on one of those shows. But the reason I know him is because he's done a ton of these youtube videos where he does uh celebrity impressions and does like micro impressions oh okay so my guess is that might have had something to do with it because yeah. he sounded just like hugo weaving's red skull i mean i i would be totally for red skull being brought back in some capacity in the future especially if they've now sorted out how to do it with someone else right. um but yeah like uh I it's very interesting because I I kind of labored under the impression um, wrongly as it turns out that this was still part one of of a two part story. I I don't know that ultimately to... you were wrong though. <laughs> well, I, like... I I feel like I I'm re- I really hope that I'm not because otherwise they've wiped out literally like not even half. I feel like two thirds of the heroes on screen have been wiped out. Well, when it started happening and they, and Bucky turned into dust, yeah, the the gravity of it hit me where I was like, "This is setting up Phase Four. This is setting up. We're now about to see who's gonna go to the next movies and who isn't." Yeah. Um. And they started dropping, and I was like, "Man, they're not messing around." And then when it happened to, uh, it was someone before Spider Man, but then definitely when it happened to Spider Man, mm-hmm. I was like, mm-hmm. "Okay." this isn't the end yeah because they're making another movie like a lot of these people have new movies coming up so for me i was like okay that's it but talk about this on hideous energy too they made a big point throughout the movie especially in one scene uh between thanos and dr strange Mm. uh which i loved all of that stuff i I was so pumped that dr strange played such a central role in this movie yeah uh, his fight with Thanos was probably my favorite fight in the movie. It just looked so amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when Iron Man swooped in, that's probably one of my favorite Iron Man fight scenes. It had, had great action scenes. Um, he says something to Thanos like, you're you're crazy. You're going to murder all these millions of people or billions of people, whatever. And um, Thanos is like, basically, he's like, I don't look at it as murder. Like, I look at it as a mercy. They're, they're, I'm, they're, they just disappear. Yeah. Like, it's not, I'm not killing them. So I think that they made that distinction clear in the movie so that in the next one we can find out where they're at because I don't think they're dead. I think they're just somewhere Uh, else or maybe some of them are dead. Um, I I don't know exactly what they'll do because I I definitely don't think that everyone's going to make it out alive in the next one. No. Um, But because especially contracts are up and and all that jazz. Yeah. But the – well, especially when Spider-Man went away, I was like, okay, this isn't permanent. (laughs) No, absolutely. (laughs) and Black Panther too. The the dude just made yep. Marvel more the most money they've yeah, ever made. Because yeah. like when when Spider Man disappears, I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is your best Spider Man that's ever been. There's no way that Sony would agree to this because they still want money. Um, yeah. like, you know, it just doesn't make any fucking sense. Uh, but I, 
part of me kind of wishes that it's so obvious that this isn't a uh, a permanent situation that it is going to be remedied and it starts to make me wonder if the people that have already died necessarily are going to stay dead because we've already talked about the fact that like the the time gem is is there and and that's something that you can play around with and you know how far back can they go with that shit and i just i feel like there's some timey-wimey shit involving gamora basically like i I, I you don't think she's gonna stay dead i don't think she's staying dead no no um and i i guess maybe i'm just kind of in the back of my mind, I, I, I want more Loki. I, I know we can't have more Loki, but I want more Loki. Um, no, I, I know what would, you mean. It and... would completely shit the bed if they were to just say, right, those two movies you just watched, no consequences whatsoever. So they have to stick with that. Um, and I think there's probably, especially my guesses for Tom Hiddleston, yeah. he's probably, I don't get the sense that I would he imagine... dislikes the role. No, but I bet he's probably ready to be done. He's I would imagine he's billion. finished with it. Yeah, yeah. And and the thing is, like comic books, nobody ever truly dies. You can always find a way to bring someone back if you're desperate to do so. So I wouldn't worry too much about maybe down the line if they wanted to bring him back. That's fine, but I get it would be way too cheap. I I wonder if maybe the way that I might have liked to see this happen was. As you mentioned, Phase 4 and setting up for that, if it wasn't for the fact that the first person to disappear was Bucky, and then straight after, I think Falcon disappeared as well, I was yeah. just like, right, th- those are literally your two alternatives for Steve Rogers when he goes. There's no fucking way that this sticks. Because I think in an ideal world, I would have liked for maybe this to take out either Iron Man or Steve Rogers plus the other characters. Like, I, I legit thought when Drax got sliced into dozens of pieces and turned to stone, I thought that was him done. I genuinely yeah, I did, thought I that was too. him. Um, yeah, and same for Mantis. He turns her into, mm. like, Laffy Taffy or whatever. Yeah, I, it was just like... I, I was really relieved when it turned out that that was just a kind of perception of reality being changed and they were they were fine. But And that was... what I, I should have recognized earlier than I did that it was, that it wasn't them dying... Because mm. that is a straight out of the comic effect of the reality stone doing stuff right. where it's 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 messing with yeah. um like the physical characteristics. It's not it's not actually happening to them. Mm. Mm. Um but yeah, when it happened at first I was like, Oh like and, and that's the thing about this movie, like throughout the entire thing, I don't know if you felt the same way that I did, I'm imagining you probably did. Mm. There's a pretty palpable sense of dread. Oh yeah. Feel like yeah. and you never really know when stuff like there's so many moments in this movie where you definitely think someone is dead. Oh, I thought um, Tony was was fucked when when he yep, got that exactly. part of his suit shoved through him. I thought, uh, and there was a gasp, like an actual gasp in the audience, and I very rarely get that in a cinema over here. Um, people were clapping and whooping, and at points, uh, but then also when he got stabbed, there was this moment where everyone there was just this sharp intake of breath, and everyone was like. Okay, I guess Iron Man's the one that's for it, especially because we find out that Pepper is pregnant, and you know, like I was gonna, yeah, I I forgot to ask Austin about that too. (laughs) Does does she say that? Um, I couldn't tell in that thing where he's going into space and she's like, "You come back right now." Like it made it seem like that was going to be the moment where she's like, "I am pregnant." Maybe I just assumed. I I, it could be that I just assumed and that I'm wrong, but yeah, I just got the impression that that she was either pregnant or that like 
I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't know either. I couldn't tell. But that was another thing. I, your theater was probably the same way. Like I'm assuming it was packed. Yeah. Um, yeah. The uh, the amount of dialogue that I didn't hear in the movie was pretty high because of laughed <laughs> laughter. Mm. <laughs> like there, anytime any anytime there was a joke, whatever line or two of dialogue that was said after that joke, I didn't catch. Oh, I had a guy sitting next to me that laughed at everything, <laughs> stuff that wasn't funny. It was just like, <laughs> oh, I'm the guy that laughs at things because I understand the reference, you know? <clears throat> and right. there was a lot of humor in there that was like that. But, oh, my God, like 10 minutes in, I was like, right, okay, that's it, fine. I, th- that's what it is. Luckily, I could hear over it. But, uh, yeah, it was one of those, I'm afraid. But, uh, yeah, I just so many moments in this movie. My mind's flitting all over the place here. Um, I mean, I think we can, like, if you wanna, if you want to go through it, like, Mm. The we don't have to go through the plot necessarily, but I guess just like chronologically speaking, like one of the things that hit me at the beginning of the movie was yep. the different people coming together in a way that felt so organic. So like, uh, um, so yeah, so like Tony's in New York, Doctor Strange shows up, they go to the Sanctum Santorum, Hulk falls in from space, um, <laughs> they all go outside before he's getting ready to call Cap, yeah. uh, which Hulk falling in and saying Thanos is coming straight from the comics too, only I think in the comics it was Silver Surfer and saying that exact same line of dialogue and that same shot and everything. And uh, then going out into the street, and then suddenly mid-fight, Spider-Man's head pops into the <laughs> into the fight, which I thought was great. They had set him up before that, so you saw that he was on his way. Yeah. But um, just it, it was just so – or it just felt so organic and, and everything. I mean, it's, it's so crazy. I was telling Andy this after we finished recording uh, Eerie because he's seeing it tonight. Like, it, it's so weird thinking about how we were – Back in 2012, all of our minds were blown by the Avengers movie to where we're like, how are they? How is this even happening? Like, how is this our our world now where we get this movie? All these dudes are fighting together, these five distinct superheroes, and it all melds together and it works and it's good. Like, this is insane. Like, we all grew up not having any good superhero movies, really. I mean, every once in a while, one here and there, or at least ones that we have fond memories of. Hmm. Um, And then we did that Avengers movie and it blew our minds. That movie, I told Andy, I was joking, but I was like, that movie feels like a one a one man three act play on a stage compared to this movie in terms of complexity <laughs> because yeah, it, it's nothing like the <laughs> amount of people that are in this movie bouncing off of each other, and then the amount of tones like mm. you have the magic stuff with um, with uh, Strange, and then you've got the tech with Tony, and then you've got Spider Man who's kind of tech as well. But then when the Guardians show up, they show that shot of space and it says space. I love that. And then I do. <laughs> so and you're like, at, at that point in the movie, you're like, well, this could be a few different people. This could be the mm. bad guys because they've been in space. It could be uh, Iron Man and, and Spider-Man because they're in space now, too, and Doctor Strange. Um, but then that 70s song kicks in and you're like, I know who this is. Yeah. And they blend that in, too, to where, like, it never felt it. It felt like the Guardians were there. And it was James Gunn's Guardians. And it never felt like, oh, the Guardians are here, but this is the Russo brothers doing their version. Like, it felt so cohesive. And the humor was there. And, like, and I don't know how, but it all worked. And it it never felt like a bunch of different movies smashed into a movie that none of the pieces fit. I guess just because of the fact they've been planning this for so long. And even though every one of those movies has their own unique feel, like you mentioned Guardians, the fact that it's such a over-the-top, colourful, music-inspired movie, and it has so much comedy in it. Um, The the one thing that gels all of these movies together is the use of humour. 
because every yeah, single Marvel movie that you can think of, regardless of how dark it is, even Thor 2, which is one of the most humorless Marvel movies that they've made, it's still <laughs> yeah. got Meow Meow, um, yeah. you know, and, and little things like that, which just kind of... Uh, I, there's not many people that appreciate her as an actress, but I quite do. Um, I like her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, it's something that draws everything together. And the thing that people don't realise necessarily because i haven't seen many people talking about this and actually this is one of the first proper conversations that i've had about the film with someone else because we're still very early on into it the release uh, of the movie um apart from i I was watching the credits as we all did because that's what marvel has trained us to do now we're we're good little girls and boys and we watch everybody's (laughs) names going over the black screen i looked at the music credits and there's two songs credited for this entire movie and it's the rubber band man and there's another song which was used for like a, a a second, and I can't remember the name. But that's literally the only time that a song gets used in this movie, and it's when they first introduce the Guardians. But again, it's the humour and the fact that they everything melds so well together that even if you're seeing a character out of their usual realm of comfort, there's enough around them... Into, I don't know, they, they just manage to bring so many different elements of, of these films together. Something that benefits them, and I don't know if this was something that they did on purpose or if it's just a happy coincidence, but The Guardian's first interaction with another member of the, the MCU is with Thor, a man who in his first two movies had very serious kind of down-to-earth technique. Oh, I mean, they're aliens, but still. Uh, kind of Slightly more kind of like... Uh, earthy tones to, to his movies that's, and then the that's third, a great point man the yeah third that's, one that's is so fucking true. I hadn't thought about that yeah so you've suddenly got this massive colorful over-the-top space opera of a third four movie and then they smash him together with the guys that have had two of the most colorful fun movies in the marvel universe and then because four has bridged this gap between the boring i say boring i didn't think they were boring but if visually speaking you go from the first two movies uh which weren't as visually arresting um he bridges that gap so then he brings them into the world of like the the earthbound marvel movies uh and and it all works yeah him him hanging out with with groot and rocket or uh tree and rabbit um <laughs> would not have worked at all the way that it did no. had they not done ragnarok you're, you're absolutely right I, had, I hadn't considered that uh which is crazy to think about because ragnarok happened like six months ago yeah, not even a year ago yeah <laughs> like yeah. and that's the thing that's crazy too is like black panther just came out and suddenly he's back in here in wakanda like all all of these people are doing all of these things so quickly hmm. that marvel had to bank on audiences liking this stuff and it working because yeah. if and, and i mean it's not like a huge risk because at this point they've got everybody in their pockets but and i don't mean that in a huge like slam corporate slammy way like people love these movies i mean genuinely Mm. people just like them Mm. and the if if thor ragnarok wouldn't have worked and people wouldn't have not have resonated with that humor it would not have worked in this movie because you're totally right it's it's that thor from that movie but i also thought that they did a good job balancing the serious stuff like one of the things that blew my mind was how much they carried over character development wise uh from guardians 2 um the one part where rocket is like all right it's time to be the captain now (laughs) and he turns around to talk to thor it's like that rocket would not exist had yondu not died and had he not had that sort of character growth and development 
um, where he realized that he and Yandu were so similar and he ultimately was going to push everyone away and, mm. and not have any friends and not be able to, to sort of be a leader and, and everything else. And then the same thing with Nebula and Gamora. Yeah. Um, their, their scenes with Thanos in this movie. I, I loved every, pretty much everything with Thanos. I, I loved all the stuff with him. I loved all the stuff with him and Gamora and with Nebula, yeah. all that sci-fi stuff. I thought their was really well of, done. Yeah. Their treatment of Thanos um, was amazing. Like I, he yeah. absolutely feels like the best villain that they've ever had in, not just in terms of the fact that he actually feels like he has a three dimensional personality and, uh, he's not just evil for evil's sake, which isn't something that you'd say about all the villains in the Marvel Universe, but there's certainly a, a number that are literally just, I want to do evil things because I'm evil. Um, right. But then I think more recently you've had uh, villains like uh, Killmonger and um, trying to think of some of the more uh, recent ones. Just guys uh, that have their motivations. Spider-Man. Um, oh, yeah, Vulture, yeah, Vulture in Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, th- there are villains that have come to the fore now that even actually, to be honest, in Ragnarok, I would have said that um, Hela, uh, even though she was like one of your kind of typically evil because I'm evil characters, she was kind of, she, she's got this whole thing about, well, I was made that way. That's literally what I do. I'm not going to be sorry for who I am. Right. But... I, I just well, that's one of the things I think they're smart about in the movies where they don't have somebody like Killmonger, where they don't have the ability to be like, look, we, we're not the movie's not going to be about fleshing out this one character a whole lot. Mm. They it's not that they ignore it, but they make the threat something bigger. So like, yeah, or or something different. So like in, in Ragnarok, it's not Hela is a threat, obviously, mm-hmm. but really the threats Ragnarok and really the movie's about them getting off of that planet mm. and and sort of that like that adventure that they're having hell is still a part of it. She's still something they have to deal with, but it's not, it, it doesn't hinge on you. What, like, and that's, I think one of the, of Thor, Thor two's failings is it does sort of hinge on you caring or in some way connecting with Malekith in some way. And, and he's, he's a sheet of cardboard brought to digital life. I mean, there's nothing about him, um, which sucks because Christopher Eccleston's just wasted in that mm, role. Uh, yeah. and he's a good actor, I think, but he is, he anyway. is. Um, yeah, the, the melding, like the, the scene where, um, Thor is talking about how much he's lost, like there's still a lot of, a lot of heart in the movie and a lot of, um, sadness within all the humor. Mm. The entire movie is just a pretty shocking balancing act that they pull off that I, I'm still sort of in awe of. I, yeah, I, I cannot believe that I sat there and laughed at a man talking about how he'd lost his father, his mother, his brother his entire planet uh but but it was it was funny i, I don't know how yeah. that's possible but here we are and the fact that him and um and, and quill were having uh, basically a dick measuring competition over t- who had lost the most yeah. because suddenly quill is feeling very kind of like um insecure about uh emasculated yeah, yeah yeah and like they even made a joke about the fact that he's not quite as ripped as he was when he got the role in the first movie which yeah. I, I thought was just a, a nice little touch. Cause the thing is, he, he's 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 busted <laughs> he's his like balls. You're one sandwich away from being fat. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's, like that line. <laughs> he's busted his balls for 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 a good few years now to get himself into that sort of shape, and he's backed off of it slightly. I mean, not to the point that he's fat by any means. Like he's still quite the specimen. But <laughs> if you compare him to like how he looked in like her, for example, which is the only other thing that I, I never watched Parks and Recs. Parks and Rec, sorry. 
Um, so I, I never really knew of him when he was chubby. Uh, but I, I knew of him in, in the movie Her, and he was certainly chubby at that point. I forgot he was in that, yeah. Yeah, only for like a, a hiccup. You blink and you miss him. But uh, He's he also there. in uh, Wanted. Oh, shit, was he? Yeah, he's the douchebag friend that's uh, at the one scene where he's like, high five, man, and he hits him with the keyboard and it spells F-U. Oh, and now I have to re-watch that movie. Yeah, he's that guy. That's a, oh. I like that movie. It, a a lot of people don't like it, but I mean, I I wasn't wedded to the comic book, so I I didn't really have anything to compare it to. So I just kind of took it for what it was, which was a fun action movie with impossible yeah. physics and Angelina Jolie looking quite attractive. If you do anything with uh, with bullet physics, I'm I'm probably in. <laughs> like I I just like that stuff. Yeah. But the yeah, it, it's different than the comic, but it's pretty fun. That's um, what. Crap, what was the other thing I was getting ready to say? Um, oh man, it had something to do with the I balance. Feel sorry, no. I, I, just just because this popped into my head while, while we were trying to figure that out. I'm sad that Idris Elba isn't going to be a thing in Marvel anymore. I bet he's not. <laughs> he seems <laughs> he seemed pretty pretty keen to be done. Really? That's a <laughs> yeah, shame. he's he's had a lot of quotes where it was a similar Natalie Portman kind of thing of like i can't uh, wait to get out of this garbage machine like he he did not like it he did not have a good time yeah um, it's a shame I, it, it's a shame when you hear about people that have been in these films and really didn't enjoy their experience because there's a lot that come out of it and say yeah it's great and to be fair most of them are making millions of dollars so it could have something right. to do with that i'm sure he wouldn't be complaining so much i th- this this sounds terrible and i i don't mean this to come across as me thinking that he's driven by money but i i feel like if idris elba was not in the movies already and then he was cast as giant man or or something like that or what's what, what's the name of that character that they've um cast for ant-man now oh goliath goliath yeah if they cast him as goliath which would actually have been a fantastic piece of casting um not that the guy that they've brought in for it is uh is a scrub as far as acting is concerned yeah, um, they went older with that. They did. Um, it was Lawrence Fishburne, yeah. Yeah, um, but I doubt that he'd be complaining as much if he was a tent. Not that Goliath's going to be a tent pole, but if they brought him in as a, a tent pole character, he'd probably be a lot happier about his lot. But the fact that he's been relegated to a bit part in these movies probably isn't doing him any favors because he feels like the sort of actor that can carry a movie rather than be a a piece of one. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I, I don't know. I, I liked I always liked Heimdall a lot. I think seeing mm-hmm. him in this and then seeing him in Ragnarok, I was kind of like, all right, you know what? Yours makes sense. Time for you to go. <laughs> like yeah. not not in a sense where I thought his character had overstayed his welcome, but definitely his performance uh, and his role felt like it was it, it felt like the right time for him to, to kind of go out. Yeah, um, it looks like a Loki. Lot of... I was surprised by uh, mm. the Loki and Gamora are the ones I, I shouldn't say surprised by, but I guess just how brutal it was. Loki and Gamora are the ones where I'm not convinced. It, it's hard for me to think that they're not that they're coming back. That those those two feel to me like they're probably pretty dead. Yeah. Um, whereas the rest, I'm just like, yeah, they're coming back. I mean, the the thing for me, like Austin talked about this on Hideous Energy, where he was like. I don't I don't know that they can pull this off now. Like he was basically saying he's not totally sure that this is going to be their true test about how they're going to deal with death in the Marvel Universe and all that stuff. And I disagreed because I was basically saying. They've already had death in the Marvel Universe and it's stayed permanent, so that's Mm -hmm. not really been 
something they've messed around with a whole lot. I think they tried to make the distinction about these people just disappearing as opposed to dying. And then I don't know. They would have to like severely, severely intentionally misfire on this next movie yeah. because it's all upswing now. Like in terms of I don't mean in terms of quality because I thought this movie was really, really, really well made. But just in terms of all of the like really big. Holy crap, it's the Avengers like, you know, mm. everyone's just so excited and, and, and all all the fanboys are instantly erect, like just all into what's <laughs> happening on the screen. Those moments were in this movie, but not a ton. Mm. And none of the ones you were probably expecting. Um, there's Thor and Cap or uh, Cap and Iron Man never meet in person. They never even see each other. Yeah. Cap never has a shield. Um, there's no fight with Thanos really there's, yeah, there's I, a fight earlier in the movie with a bunch of them trying to take the gauntlet I, I don't think that we're gonna see either Iron Man or Cap die until they've had a face to face with each other um, right yeah, one thing like, I, there's sorry yeah, there, all of that's of Hulk not coming back like there's just so many moments that everyone is waiting for and anticipating yeah that this next movie I can't imagine is gonna is, is not gonna be moment after moment after moment of the heroes winning like and and not in a way where it feels like cheap or stupid but that's that's what we need now and in any other movie this would have been the midway point of the movie where there's tremendous loss and now they have to fight back and win yeah but marvel broke that down to where it's like no it's basically one movie of of loss where they make mistakes it's empire. they go ahead sorry it's it's empire yeah, yeah, exactly. Like they they make mistakes and and evil wins, and now they have to figure out a way to come back from that. Mm. I can't imagine the next one's going to be extremely dark or dire. I think people are going to die. Yeah, but I think it's going to be showcasing what these characters are about, and that's overcoming adversity, and that's good winning over evil, mm-hmm. and and all the stuff that people know and expect and love from these movies. Yeah. Um. But it's just going to be that that like that momentum has built Mm, for that mm. everyone's craving that now yeah and the fact that they shot these back to back was i the smartest thing they could have done absolutely because i think if people had to wait two to three years in between movies it they would it would be harder (laughs) but waiting one year as long as that feels i can't believe it's it's gonna be a year to be honest it still feels so long after you watch the movie because you're like well what are they gonna do now if if they turned around tomorrow and said surprise we're releasing it at christmas like first of all, they wouldn't do that because Star Wars. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, well, what's what's the next Ant Man? And I'm looking up the Ant Man and the Wasp right now. And that Captain, one's next. And Captain then... Marvel is in production, so you got to think that'll be out in the next. That's actually that's a good question. Is she going to debut in Avengers, or is she going to have her own solo movie first? I feel like the solo movie is the way movie to first. go. I, I yeah. got it here. There's mm. only I thought there were more in between, but there's only two in between now. Ant-Man and the Wasp is July 6th. Yeah. Um, Captain Marvel is March 8th, 2019. And then Avengers is May 3rd. Okay. So, and then Spider-Man sequel is in pre-production July 5th, 2019. And then Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is in development for 2020. Okay. So you'd imagine that Peter's going to be okay. (laughs) I would think... I think both Peters are going to be okay. I think uh, Quill is going to be fine as well. So, yeah, I'm interested to see what they do. Like, I, I can't see... It's like Cap or Iron Man are a, a toast, right? One of them is, is almost certainly going to go. Something that I really like was the fact that Rhodey was just like, 
come in, give us a hug. Like he he has completely forgiven and forgotten at this point. Um, he looked old as fuck as well. Like what the hell? I didn't hell? notice that. And Austin and Amanda both said that, so I I just didn't pick up on it. Oh um, man, I think he left his just for men. <laughs> yeah, his just for men is not working for him. Um, <laughs> and maybe that was a choice on their part because of the fact that really outside of, I mean, he's not got the use of his legs back. It, it's he's got a, these kind of like um, legs that strap onto his that allow him to walk. So from that point of view, like I, I guess it makes sense as to why he might not look as as vital and and, and young and everything as, as he used to because he's he's suffering. <laughs> you know, he's still technically parent, uh, paralyzed. Uh, right. But I just I love the fact that he was just like no fuck it we're gonna do what we need to do and so he just like he he got rid of um of uh, oh Christ now I can't remember his name Ross Ross yeah I was thinking Betty Ross so that would be my <laughs> <laughs> close her, da- her, her dad her dad yeah so they got he got rid of Ross off the screen it was just like that's a court martial but I don't really care um, yeah because he's got his priorities right at the end of the day. Um, I feel it like cracks he... me up in these movies how whatever the focus is of the threat is really what like Civil War, him doing that would have been such a major thing in the movie mm. to have been like, nah, you know what? I'm going to ignore the government. Um, and that would have had major consequences. And in this one, they're like, hey, how about you suck our balls, Ross, and you never see him again? Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's just like uh, this movie's not about that stuff anymore. Like we've moved on. <laughs> yeah, we've, so. we've got a we've got a, a giant purple grimace looking motherfucker from space with balls <laughs> attached to his chin, just kind of like wrecking shop. We we got bigger fish to fry. Um, yeah, I I I, I think it's uh, it's interesting that they've put the band back together so quickly and easily the big test is going to be the face-off between like early on in the movie in the movie when they're at the the sanctum and um iron man you know tony stark he's got that flip phone and uh, he's thinking about calling uh captain america and he just doesn't and he says like it's difficult and we haven't talked etc etc um, I mean, not only does that serve as a really good way of getting people up to speed in case they were living under a rock and haven't seen Civil War, but also like it just goes to show that really Iron Man's the only one that's still got a problem. Everyone else seems to be cool with yeah. each other. Um, well, and, and even in that scene, Banner's like, "You call him. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're being an idiot. <laughs> yeah. um, I... Do you know... This is the weird thing in comic books, and this is something that came up with Justice League a few times. Um, not the movie, but just like Justice League in general. You know how, like, whenever a individual hero who's aligned with a super team has a problem, and it looks like they're going to be ground to dust, and there's always some smart ass that's just like, "Well, why don't you just call your super friends?" I like the fact that they've got this here with Hawkeye not being anywhere to be found. Because of right. the fact that he's taken that deal so that he can be with his family. Um, it keeps him safe, which is nice because I think everybody uh, pretty much to a man thought if he's in this movie, he's dying because he's got away with it too many times already. Um, and I kind of miss his presence, but I understand it. It's like you've already got a hundred characters in this movie. You don't need another one. When the Russos and uh, Marcus and McFeely, the writers, have said they've got a long term plan for him like they did they didn't just forget about him or just leave him out for no reason like it's a it's a long game 
with him and which makes me happy because I've always loved Hawkeye and he's always been someone I've, I've liked. And, mm. um, it also, my guess is what will happen is if, if just half the population of the world disappearing, isn't enough to bring him back. Uh, my guess is, um, his kids, he's got three kids and a wife. Yeah. yeah. Someone's going to have to, I mean, if he himself hasn't disintegrated, at least one of them's got to have. Right. So I would imagine that it's going to be a, how do I kill this guy or how do I figure out how to get my, my family back? Hmm. Um, which I, my guess is it's probably going to be more like that. I can't see, uh, I don't know. It's hard for me to see Disney and Marvel allowing their cinematic universe to have a loss of life that big to where it's not reversible in some way or, or they're not able to be saved. Oh, no, um, I, I think that this is going to be reversed. That that will yeah. be reversed. I, I think that the conventional deaths that we've seen, as you've mentioned before, like Gamora, Loki, um, and you know anyone else that has escaped my mind at the moment, um, those ones are going to stick. Heimdall. Heimdall, yeah. Like, th- those will stick. Absolutely, those will stick. Having said that, if that's the case, this isn't a seismic enough loss in terms of main characters for it to be like an earth-shattering moment in the MCU history. So I fully expect there to be, apart from the obvious uh, Cap or Iron Man, I think there's also going to be um, one or two others. I don't know who those are going to be. I would hope it's not Hawkeye. Um, but yeah, I don't really. I don't like, know. I can't think of anyone else that... A couple of the Guardians, obviously. Like I, I don't think Drax gets out of this as much as it pains me, because I love Dave Bautista. I think he's been amazing in this role. And uh, for me, like Guardians 2, his interactions with Mantis were some of the funniest things. Yeah. Um, but I, I just I don't see him coming out of this. <laughs> Not with his personal story as regards uh, Thanos. Um, it, it just it, it doesn't make sense to me. It. Yeah, I think he has to have, he has to have a showdown with him uh, outside of just being cut to stone ribbons. Um. I like that part of this where he was like, where he's like, "How long have you been standing there?" And he's like, "An hour." Oh, that's so good. <laughs> it's like I could, I could become invisible when I don't move. <laughs> my, my favorite comedic line in the movie by far. This, I, I laughed at this pretty hard, and then continued throughout the next two, three minutes of the movie to giggle mm. at it. I could not get it out. This of my might head. be the same thing that I'm thinking of. Go on. There's a lot of funny moments, so like it's possible it's not the same. Like it's, a, it's a funny movie. Is when, uh, um. <laughs> when thor says uh steve this is my friend tree uh referring to groot and groot is yelling he says i am groot yes yes cap says i am steve rogers yes (laughs) his delivery is so funny dude like you can tell that it's not condescending like he's so sincere steve rogers oh yeah he's still trying to show the like respect totally alien yeah he's still totally like world war ii era steve rogers deep down like he's still got those values um (laughs) i tell you what there was a part earlier on again it 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 confirmed oh my god i can't speak it concerns for and um and group and it's um it's when they're on the ship and group just says something i am group and four completely understands him and <laughs> that was Ro- great rocket too. just turns around and says you speak group and he said yeah it was an elective on asgard i just love that because like, it builds on this idea that um Asgard, obviously, they have this very um, Asgardian way of looking at the universe with, you know, uh, 
the the way that um oh jesus like all of all of the the names of the different realms and stuff rather than talking about it in a cosmic way they talk about it in a very mythical kind of sense um but they actual alien races and yeah yeah they they still have had dealings with alien races because they have uh groot as an elective language that you can take um you know and things like that so i i love that also he just like randomly throws in the fact that he's like 115 years old or something like that um, it's more it's like it's like 1500 years oh, old. was it 1500 oh i'm thinking of the solo trailer from before where uh yeah chewbacca sure. says he's 190 or something um yeah. but yeah so I, I all these little things they just throw in and any one of these things could have been left on the cutting room floor but they they just throw them in just to build the universe a little bit more to give it a little bit more of a rounded edge um it, it's all really well done um and and they always feel so true to their characters in their universe which is yeah. what it's always so crazy to me that they that this stuff only works because they know the universe and the tones and the characters so well mm. that you can make these jokes. Like there's a joke earlier in the movie that is it seems like it is just prime um, winking at the audience. We get it. We get the stuff's goofy sort of joke mm. um, that had me worried in Ant-Man in the trailers when they were going to do it where he's like, can we change the name? Like not Ant-Man like that's stupid. And then in the movie, when you see it, it's different. It's a different line reading and everything else. But yeah. they were trying to get people who didn't know this character to kind of get pulled into it. Uh-huh. There's a, a line like that in the movie that feels like it's tailor-made for laughs. And it is a comedic line, but it's also very true to the character. And that's when uh, Banner is like, there's a Spider-Man and an Ant-Man. <laughs> Which, it's a funny line, but also you're like, yeah, he's been in space. He hasn't seen Spider-Man or Ant-Man. Yeah, and like these are all new people to him. One of my favorite scenes in the movie is when they all show up on uh, Titan, and they have your stereotypical superheroes meet and fight each other before teaming up moment. Mm. But it's really more of a shouting match where they none of them know each other, and it's so weird when you see it because you're like you forget. Like I've been watching these movies, you know, with my friends. We've all been watching them for for over ten years now. Yeah, it, you forget that like. Iron Man and Doctor Strange and Spider-Man, they have no idea who the Guardians of the Galaxy are. And when you think about that when they come in, yeah, it looks like a bunch of aliens with weapons other than Quill, and he has his mask on at first. Mm, yeah. um, they just look like threats, and they're on this alien planet. It makes total sense that they all start fighting. That was also another one of my favorite lines, was when he was like, uh, you know Footloose, is it still the greatest movie on Earth? And <laughs> it, was like, never, it never was. <laughs> it was never the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> that part is awesome, too. <laughs> yeah, oh man, uh, there's so many parts like that. Like the, the trailers as well. I just want to throw this out there because this is something that I thought about. Um, there's the line in the trailer between Spider-Man and, and uh, Captain, uh, Captain Jesus, uh, Doctor Strange, where uh, Captain they introduce... Jesus. <laughs> Captain Jesus. He's a Christian superhero for the new millennium. Um <laughs> Yeah, but they introduce each other, and um, the, it's, oh yeah, it's, that was the, the delivery was different in the movie. Yeah, yeah, and and this is something that I've noticed in the last couple of movies because they did this with Thor Ragnarok as well, where the trailer makers have been given license to change shit as much as they want. So in Thor Ragnarok, the face-off uh, with Hela where she breaks a hammer in the trailer, yep. it was in like some grimy back street Alleyway. somewhere. Yeah, and in the actual movie, it was on the coast of Norway um or sweden or wherever the hell it was they turned up meanwhile uh and they've done this for years now i think about it um they just like film alternative deliveries of lines so even though you end up 
getting the same basic uh, joke. You get it delivered in a different way. It's still fresh. It, it doesn't feel... You often get that problem where you're sitting in the cinema and a joke gets delivered and a bunch of people laugh and you think to yourself, if you not watch the trailer, you dumb asses. That's, <laughs> it's not funny anymore. You knew it was coming. But Marvel right. keeps it fresh just by tweaking it just ever so slightly. And I'm really coming to appreciate that. And I hope that more movies take that on board and tailor their trailers in a way that it doesn't spoil what actually comes in the movie itself. Well, dude, um, it's really well done. you can... You could take your point to another level entirely. I'm about to blow your mind if you didn't think about this, and you okay. may have already thought about it. Um, the The first trailer for this movie mm-hmm. ends with that giant shot of the heroes running at the camera. Not in the movie at all. And in fact, not only is that shot not in the movie, it has characters that aren't even there. It's Cap, Thor, uh, Iron Man. It's Cap, Bucky, Cap, and Black Panther, and Black Widow running at the camera. Iron Man's flying above them. Yeah. <laughs> like oh, that's man. that's not even remotely that had there's no way that that movie or that that scene was in the movie and then they had to do reshoots like there there's no way. That means they mm. shot that for the trailer. Yeah. Man, I mean for that. Yeah. No, you're right. I love that. Me too. It it's it's pretty awesome and it's uh I hope that they continue to do that stuff also so that we'll see these trailers and then not be able to trust them. <laughs> like, yeah, too right. Not in the way where we can't trust that it looks like a movie we'd want to see, but we wouldn't be able to trust in the sense of like, I don't I think, know if that's going to be what happens. Yeah, like I, I think I just want a trailer that gives me an idea of the tone to expect, but doesn't actually spoil anything or give me any idea of, of what's going to happen. Just right. give me a general outline, how this movie's going to look, the tone of it, and I'm pretty much set. Like, I'm good. Was there, because this has been one giant hand drop session, which I'm totally fine with because I think the movie's great. <laughs> no, it but is. It is. Was there, was there anything that you didn't like? That's what I'm trying to, to deal with right now is like, not, not that I look for things in movies that I don't like, but I obviously we, we love movies and we love mm. criticism and, mm. and discussion and all that. So I always go, it, when I have an experience with a movie where I'm just like, I can't stop talking about how much I loved it my mind inevitably goes to, okay, what didn't work for me? Um, and not because I'm trying to find the negative, but I, I want to have a sort of balanced look at, at yeah. some of that stuff. And I joke often about uh, if I had to pick a favorite movie, it would be Drive. And basically the past like five times I've watched Drive has basically been me sitting there trying to figure out, all right, I'm going to find what's wrong with this movie. I'm going <laughs> to find the imperfections because I can't find them. Yeah. I, and that's a joke, but also like I really love getting deep into the stuff. Mm. So for this movie, was there anything that stood out where you're like, I I didn't like this or this didn't resonate with me? Like, I, I've seen stuff in reviews and what people are saying. Um, so I know some, I've heard some things, but what what for you mm. didn't work, if anything? Do you know, I, I find this really difficult to, to pin down because for me, I, I feel like all of the characters rung true. Uh, the story went places that it needed to go. There's no wasted motion in here, really. Um, each of the stories... like I, I think we've all come to expect at this point in Avengers movies that Thor will split off and do something completely separate from everyone else. And he did it again in this movie. But mm-hmm. it had a real purpose to it. Um, oh, more. And the moment when he shows up with Rocket... Oh, and yeah. That was, their, that was the big moment for for fans to stand up and freak out at like mm. that was a really really cool i moment. just yeah like that was all great um i i love 
this is the problem there's so much stuff that i loved that i i'm finding it difficult to focus on anything that could either be improved or wasn't necessary or i didn't like i'm not sure there was anything i didn't like like i no i I can't think of anything like genuinely all i can think of right now is uh winter soldier holding up rocket and both of them shooting bad guys and then rocket saying like is that arm, is that arm for sale i'll get it from you <laughs> eventually yeah like, i get that arm <laughs> yeah like it's just yo it's mental uh, there's so many characters in this movie it shouldn't work it really shouldn't work but they they've laid so much groundwork that if you've watched all of these movies i tell you what no there there was one thing but i can it totally makes sense from a practicality point of view from a time point of view but it would have been nice, and maybe I missed it. Maybe it was something that was mentioned that I I just didn't pick up until we started watching this movie. But um, he's already got the Power Stone, which is fine. But could we not see anything of that? I, it's just like, oh yeah, he already destroyed an entire planet to get the Power Stone. Um, you talking about how he went to Xandar? He and... went to Xandar and 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. basically decimated the nova core i would imagine you don't see any of that um i, I thought know. about that too because i always liked the nova core and it, it is very throwaway like mm. yeah 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 that that one's taken care of don't worry about it <laughs> i get like, it like it just trust us <laughs> yeah like we, we all of the the stone we've already seen all of the stones we know where the majority of the stones are we want to focus on earth because that's where the peril is going to be um let's not waste time on the power stone let's just say that he already got it because that will be borne out by the fact that he's absolutely decimated a ship full of asgardians uh in the opening of the movie like it makes sense but i don't know i I feel like you couldn't even spend like 30 seconds on a distress call or something like it obviously wouldn't have have fit into the timeline because they're picking the movie up straight from the end of ragnarok and, and that makes perfect sense I, it just, yeah, I for a two-hour, 40 movie, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Even now, I feel like I'm churlish for mentioning it because they, they've they done such a good job in telling this story that uh, even to the point that they you, they get to the, the, the mountain um, to, to get the soul stone. And well, you, it sounds like it's not something you're saying you thought was wrong as much as you would have liked to have seen that. I would which have, I think yeah, is fair. I would have liked to have seen it. And as you've mentioned uh, earlier, uh, as regards Red Skull, maybe that's something that they can tackle in a comic book or a, a digital short or something like that. I'm beforehand. sure they will. Yeah. Um, but or, or yeah. if they ever do a Nova movie, I bet it'll be touched on in some way there too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I for me I'm I'm kind of in the same place right now, man. I want to see it again. I feel like mm. I feel like watching it more will start to pull out like one of the the criticisms that I see either fall into two camps. One is if people just don't like it and they're like it's just bombastic and it's too much happening. And I'm just kind of like, all right, you obviously don't like these movies. Not that they're all like that, but you have to be This movie was always going to be that. You have to be pot committed to this franchise to be able to jump into this movie. There's no catch up. There's no recap like you jump in and you have to remember and know what's happening yeah um so to me those criticism I'm not saying they're not valid but i'm just kind of saying like okay it's not your thing more than anything it's just it's not your thing which is totally fine yeah um for people that did like it the criticisms that i've seen have been people feeling like the middle section sagged a bit um 
I didn't feel that way. I, specifically, the stuff with Thor and Rocket and Groot going to get the weapon and making the forge and all, all that stuff with Peter Dinklage's character. Mm. I, I dug all that stuff. I thought it was cool. Um, so I didn't. I didn't feel. I didn't feel like it slowed down. I mean, you can definitely feel that things are starting to heat up before that last thirty minutes. Um, but it didn't feel slow to me, and I, I think it's because I connected with. Thanos and whenever we cut to smaller kind of quieter things with him or with him and Gamora Hmm. uh, I was into it Uh, so yeah I yeah I'm the same way as you are I I don't necessarily have anything that jumped out at me that I really disliked or no um, sort of shook my head at or didn't click for me it it all kind of worked I mean I I think the biggest thing is going to be how they what they do next I'm I'm really excited to see I I don't I don't have as much of a sort of I don't want to say also was being pessimistic, but like I, I think they're going to succeed because I think they've set themselves up too well to not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, I thought it was just an awesome movie. I saw I think it was Jacob Knight. I think is his name. He's a writer for Birth Movies Death and his review, his little like kind of mini review on uh, Letterboxd. He was talking about like this is going to be so just like Empire for a lot of people. This is going to be referred to as the middle chapter and you know the the bridge or whatever with something else and he was like mm-hmm. but just like with empire there are a lot of us that look at empire as an amazing film like it's a standalone you know film it can be looked at as this is just a great beginning middle and end yeah. of its own right of its own film mm-hmm. and he was like i hope that we can do that with this movie and then it won't just be remembered as part one of two uh because it is a, it is a pretty great story and it doesn't have to have a hero's victory and at the end for it to be a well told story. And no. I, I definitely agree with that. Well, I what, think. Sorry. <laughs> what, what I like about the ending is the fact that the closing shot is Thanos just in a quiet place, just That's watching exactly the sun setting. And do you know, in a weird and perverted way um, from a certain viewpoint, the good guy did win because he's doing everything from a point of view of trying to save the galaxy from itself and well, yeah, I told Austin, it's like he he just he he does it. His plan is his plan is achieved. It's not. Yeah, I do all this. And now I rule the galaxy in my image. It's mm-hmm. like now I I I do what I said. Like, yeah. I, I want to do this stuff for the better. Now I go back. Like you said, I go back yeah. to my my hut because his, his <laughs> motivation, his motivation is one that comes from pain and from seeing his world collapse on itself under the burden of too many mouths to feed and you know he he comes up with an idea albeit not a a necessarily morally justifiable one um right of, of the random still lottery villain. It, yeah. it's still a pretty bad thing to do but the motivations are the right motivations it's just that the the, the ends don't justify the means um right. But, you know, in his mind, if he's able to wipe out half the universe in a way that doesn't cause any suffering, and really it doesn't cause physical suffering, it only really causes emotional suffering for those that are left, um, it's just And he's also thinking about things in a much larger scope. So, like, yeah. we as humans and then uh, the Avengers as humans, or at least people from Earth, view this as thinking about all of the people that are going to be affected immediately, all the Mm. people that are going to lose loved ones, the immediate tragedy and catastrophe that's going to happen. Like the, um, 
uh, I liked how they showed some of it in the post credit sequence where you see like um, people are just gone out of their cars and mm-hmm. that helicopter is crashing. And, and it's pretty terrifying in a different way than we've seen from Marvel movies in the past to where it's just like it, it's eerie. Like it's just a, a creepy thing that everyone's just gone. We think about it all in those terms in Thanos's mind because he's so old and because he's seen way more in all different cultures and, and life and everything else. He talked about how like there was a tremendous loss on these planets. He talks about Gamora's, but he's like, yeah, if you go there now, everybody's pumped. It's a paradise. Like, yeah. It's yeah. The sun rises and, and bellies are full and children are happy and like everything's great. And again, not saying that that's the right way, but when you have a, a scope of it, that is way more big, like way large, way more big, way larger, <laughs> uh, way more cosmic Hmm. Uh, time, time and space aren't confined to earth in our linear sense, then it is easier to try to look at it from a perspective of like, yeah, this sucks, but like the next generation or two generations from now, they're not going to, they're not going to care. They're not going to remember like this bad thing happened to these people, but ultimately it was for the better of everyone. And, and it's weird because, and not weird. I, I think it's kind of a stroke of brilliance because the Avengers are constantly, um, using that exact same argument on their side, uh, trying to make hard decisions where they're killing one for the, uh, for the betterment of everyone else. Hmm. So like vision or Gamora telling Peter Quill, like kill me. Um, if, if, if he captures me or whatever, um, that it's the, it's a very similar look at what they're doing. Um, by saying like, we're going to lose one person, but that's better than losing all of these people. Um, I, I think that's great. And I also love how within that thing, Captain America is steadfast and not bending on that. Like that yeah. is a great character mm. trait where he's like, we don't trade lives. Absolutely. So, yeah. Like he's unwavering. It's like, I, I don't care. I'm not trading a single life. We figure out a way where everyone lives. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And Which, then they don't. <laughs> um, no, no. But you know, like again, awesome. <laughs> going, going back to like morals, like morally speaking, the, the path that costs zero lives is the preferable one. Of course. But right. when so many lives being lived causes suffering, what do you do? You know, it's interesting that they've issued this idea of uh, Thanos being obsessed with death, um, in the in the sense of being in love with the yeah. personification of death, and also the idea that um, and I don't know this from having read the story, so I could be getting things wrong and and. Uh, forgive me and, and correct me if, if you know differently, David, but um, I believe Infinity War, uh, as far as the actual storyline within the comics is concerned, the motivation was more a case of redressing the balance because more people were currently alive than have ever died, and he was redressing the balance so. on the behest of death. So, I, Infinity War specifically, I've never read all the way through. It, it was always a comic for me. When I was younger, it had more of an impact on me that all that stuff, specifically the video game. There was a mm. uh, what was it called? Um, it was like Marvel Super War for the Gems or something. Right. And in each one of those, it was like a Mega Man sort of thing where you would choose a different stage and each stage had a specific character you'd play as. So it was like Spider-Man Wolverine. Uh, um, and you were trying to get a gem. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, yeah, because they weren't called stones back then. They were the Infinity Gems. And so a lot of my knowledge is from that stuff. 
So I have I don't know the exact miniseries. I think that's right from what I remember. The big thing with Thanos was that he was courting death. So yeah. he was in love with death and not like a character named death, but the literal personification of death, like it, it, death incarnate. Um, and Whedon has that line in the first Avengers movie that they put in there that I think that, like you said, now it's just sort of like now it just feels like flavor text because they didn't really mm. pursue that literally like the comics. But when you first see Thanos, the little his little minion or whatever is like this would be something if, if you could do this, that would be you could court death. They literally say that in the movie. Oh, yeah. It was like so, uh, you, you would, yeah, you would court death itself. That. Yeah. Yeah, and he smiles. That's the first time you see him. And he does not look like Josh Brolin. <laughs> no. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so they did away with that. I mean, that that stuff's interesting. I think that they – I read some articles where they talked about how they did away with that because they wanted to keep it more grounded in terms of having Thanos have a, a very sort of real connection to – which makes sense. I, I think that if we had him running around trying to court death, the scene where he kills yeah. Gamora wouldn't have no, no not been near – is believable mm-hmm. um but that scene was surprisingly believable like yeah you and especially her like when she starts laughing and she's like you don't love anything you're like you don't get what you want now and, and then instantly it dawns on yeah. her it, that part is so sad it dawns on her and then it's like all this mix of emotions of fear of m- even more dysfunction on top of what she already had of understanding that oh this guy actually does love me like a daughter and mm. Yeah, I, I think if we if if he would have been running around trying to, you know, finger bang death, that scene wouldn't have played out. <laughs> no, I'm glad they went. The that was unnecessarily did. crude. But. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I think it was completely necessary. <laughs> but, I mean, that's what it is in the comics. Like he. Yeah. Not that his, his mission is to only finger bang, but like his mission literally is to like he's in love, like he's in a, a physical like I don't think it's only sex, but sex is part of it. Like he wants her embrace, her touch, her kiss, all that stuff. Like that, that's literally it. Mm, yeah. And it goes back to, I, I think that this is one of the best motivated bad guys that they've had. And uh, I'll be sad if they decide to kill him off because I think that you're always better off having a a defeated bad guy. And this goes for all Marvel movies. And this is something that really kind of does piss me off about, about Marvel, um, the MCU specifically is that every time you've got a decent bad guy, you end up killing him. And I'm sick of it. I, I Man, want... that was really hard to swallow in Black Panther. <laughs> yeah. like I want a bad guy like... to go away and lick their wounds and come back again someday. And you can't do that. Like I would have loved Ulysses Claw to come back in another movie later on and be, even as a bit part, like to just flesh things out a bit. But no, they had to kill him as well. Slide. I think the thing that they could do that I think would be awesome, and I don't know if they will, is uh, they set Vulture up to be amazing and, and, and like way more nuanced and interesting than you expected watching that first movie. Yeah. Uh, at the end, when he doesn't sell him out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like to, my first thought was like, bring this guy back and have him be maybe maybe still a villain, maybe not, maybe the sort of like alliance with Peter. Like that's so interesting. Mm. Um, but it, it's sad because so much of it, I think, also comes down to what the actors want to do or what they signed on for. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know that Keaton signed on for anything other than that movie. Just recast um, them then. Recast it. I, I don't care. I, I think there's so many people at this point who are willing to uh, 
to suspend disbelief. And as long as the character, I mean, they did it with Rhodey for fuck's sake, you know? Like, yeah, but I Austin talked and I talked about this before the movie. I, I don't, I don't feel like Marvel would would do that. I think that they have their whole thing in their comics and in their movies. They have a huge sense of legacy. Yeah, and so I think that they would be much more into the idea of, um having someone else take up the mantle rather than recasting someone else to be the same character. I mean, yeah. I, I definitely could be wrong. And like you said, they did that with Rhodey. That was also early on too. Yeah, it um, was. Yeah. And, but they, yeah, where they had established a bunch of movies with him. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, but I don't know. I mean, they've done it with other, they've had actors play different roles. Um, like, uh, what's her name is the bad guy in Luke Cage. And then she, she's also the woman that slaps Tony in Civil War. Um, oh, I forget her name now. Um, Mariah is her name in Luke Cage. God damn it. Yeah. I, I, oh, I, I can't remember the actress's think... name, but like they've done that before where they've had. Yeah. You know, but then I, I think that the TV I, I universe, even though <laughs> they keep talking about the fact that it's all linked, I, I really know it, it. It's not. Like, what, whatever the movies do, TV, TV feeds off of, but it's not the other way around. Yeah, I, I think they even, I think Feige even said recently that, like, they're not worrying about crossing that stuff over anymore. No, like, I, I wish that they would maybe just consider the idea of, just as, again, there's almost like background furniture. Like, if there's a massive attack on New York, just, you know, have, like... A one or two second shot of Luke Cage busting a wall down to get to somebody trapped uh, under under a floor or something like that, you know? Just, or, just, or just have it happen between seasons. So you don't even have to, like, yeah. the time jump to where mm. it's like, mm. what'd you do over your summer vacation? Uh, fought some four-legged dogs <laughs> in Wakanda. Like, and it doesn't even have to be that literal, but yeah. like Yeah, yeah. but th- that's my main frustration that you get. And I'm hoping that... Um, at the very least, being as uh, Thanos is, is a, a completely CG character, they could recast if they had to. But, you know, it, it, the frustration is is just the fact that they have so many of these good villains and then they just throw them away. And um, I, I would... At the very least, like leave it in a place where you could you can you can leave it open so they can come back if they want to, rather than just nope, that one's dead. Oh, this one's dead uh-huh. as well. Like, right. d- don't be so short-sighted as to think that you've got an unlimited pool of bad guys that you can go to because eventually you're either going to have to invent new ones or you're going to have to recast them anyway, and then you've got to explain what the fuck happened and why they weren't dead in the first place and. It, it's just really very annoying. Um, that being said, like Baron Zemo and um, uh, Vulture uh, are two examples where they haven't killed them off, as as long as I'm aware. So maybe there's something there. I don't know. Um, we'll we'll see going forward. I guess. And I think it also not depends, but like another key factor is like what what are you willing to how are you willing to change your universe when you keep a specific villain around because certain things it, it changes their world so like with thanos keeping mm-hmm. him around now especially in this with the power level that he has like one of the greatest moments in this movie that lives up to my alternate title of suck our balls nerds <laughs> is when they win 
she blows up Vision's stone. Yeah. And then he funny games it and she rewinds it time. and just takes it. Yeah. And it's an amazing moment for the audience because it's a gut punch. And mm. Amanda, my wife, hated this movie <laughs> because oh, it no. was just, <laughs> just because she loves <clears throat> she loves the triumph. She loves the the third act turnaround and the the winning and all that stuff and yeah. the heroes saving the day and good over evil. And this movie's not that I, I had a feeling I didn't know it was going to end this dark, but I had a feeling she probably was going to be conflicted about it, but yeah. she was just like nothing good happened in that well, movie. Like just, she was really bummed. I, th- I think the idea is to just WrestleMania it and just do the five hour marathon when the second movie comes out and then say, <laughs> That's look, what I told her when I was over, it's I was like, movie. this is the first half. Like you're going to see a bunch <laughs> of triumphant moments in the next one. But like, what do you, with with Thanos and, and and some of the stuff that they introduce to where it's like you guys can't win because I'm just going to do this or or when Thor hits him and he's like you should aim for the head and he snaps his fingers and and does that stuff like you then have to deal with if you keep him around hmm. how are you going to explain some level of that power existing within like how is he not always a threat. Well, and, I, I think, and I'm not saying that it's wrong to keep him around because I agree with you. I think that they yeah. do need to build up a cachet and a rogues gallery that they can go to. Mm. But with some of the stuff and the ways that they introduce them in the movies, you also are running into, you know, potential. You are, yeah. Not plot holes, but just uh, dilemmas. I guess. I, um, well, I, I think first and foremost, you take cues from the comics where you can, where it works, and uh, you say to yourself, right, okay, they've had Thanos around for like I don't know, thirty, forty years at this point. How come he hasn't been a constant issue? And um, I, I think first and foremost, you've just got to say, okay, the only reason that he's so powerful is because he's got the Infinity Stones. So the best way to take care of that situation is going to be to make sure that he can't harness their power again, which means you've got to destroy that gauntlet and you've got to find a way of making sure that he can't recre- re- ugh, recreate one. Um, alternatively there's always the possibility that he comes to his senses and realizes that what he's done is not for the greater good. And so he no longer he reforms. He, he Well, he doesn't reform because he's, he's still going to have issues with people. Thanos has, has not always, I don't think necessarily been about one thing and one thing only he could. But maybe that's not his goal anymore. Yeah. Like it, I, I okay. went down that road. It didn't work out. It wasn't worth the sacrifice. I still want to um, maybe reduce the population of the universe, but I'm going to have to do it old school style. Um, And, you know, that means that he's eminently more stoppable because when you haven't got like a a god switch, like the Infinity Gauntlet, uh, you can always find a way around it. So, yeah, I I think that maybe they need to go down that route. Yeah, I think going to the comics and kind of seeing how they do it there is a good way. I mean, they also have the option, just like the comics, of just sort of ignoring him for a while um, or or any of their villains to the point where it's just like, whatever happened to that guy? I don't know. He's in space somewhere. Like, it's Mm. you're not unless you're like a super fan of of a villain or of a character. You're not constantly wondering, like, where are they at? Why aren't they here? Mm. Yeah. you just are kind of like, oh yeah, that was a that was a thing, and they took care of it, and then at some point it'll probably come back. Um, so yeah, that that's definitely true, and I, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you answered it that way because I wasn't trying to say that they couldn't do it. It would just mm. be how would they do it, and I think that's one way they could handle it. Um, well, there's the other thing I was going to ask you. What was it? <laughs> Crap, I just forgot. I don't remember. There's so much about going on in this movie. It's a hell of a lot. There really is. Like it's just so. 
this isn't a criticism, but it's just so busy. It's so rammed full of stuff. Um, I absolutely adore it. I need to watch it again. I will be watching it again. I've already had a uh, a Facebook message uh, to tell me that uh, my dad is glad that I enjoyed it because I'm going to have to go and watch it again with him. So that's good. Um, yeah, it's I. It's right up there for me already. Like, what's your ranking of it in terms of like where does it sit? I know we did this once on um, the Das Alles uh, Erie International crossover, but uh, if if you were to kind of like not necessarily rank your top three Marvel movies, but if if you were to give it a rough position within the pantheon of of all of, that's come before it, where, where around do you reckon it would sit at the moment? Uh, Austin and I kind of talked about this on Hideous Synergy, like basically exact same parameters that you said that that it wasn't so much like slotted in exactly, but mm. kind of where would it land? Honestly, man, I need to see it again. Honestly, <laughs> I probably near the top. Um, yeah. I don't mean like top prime spot, uh, because I think it, it, we're at the point now where there's so many of these movies that you have to contextualize what each of them mean to in, in terms of quality and what they achieve. Because I think Iron Man, the first original Iron Man, is probably their best movie. But but it does relatively so little compared to... I mean, it launches the universe and everything else. I'm not saying it doesn't do much. But when you're trying to juggle 40 characters and, you know, a decade of continuity and all that stuff, it's it's a way different movie. Um, So, like, uh, you know, Guardians is a really important movie in that regard in terms of establishing a new sort of tone and... On junk food cinema, they talk about how like the new if there's a new Ghostbusters for this generation, it's it's those movies where they're mm-hmm. basically comedies and they have these action elements to them or whatever. Yeah. And that's, I think, hugely vital for the the Marvel Universe um, with this one. It's for me. It was just like and I don't mean I mean, I mean, pun intended or not pun or no pun intended. Take it however you want. It, this was to me like the definition of a, of a marvel to watch. Like it's it's just insane the balancing act that they do in every level. Hmm. I found it very enjoyable to watch. I loved that it. But that's another thing too. One of the things that makes it great is that it subverts everything that came beforehand. So to try to say like I, I've kind of given up on any sort of top five ranking because for me to be like this movie is objectively better than Guardians of the Galaxy. It's hard for me to say that because they both have s- such different aims um, that it, it would be like saying I'm trying to think of another example. It, it would be like saying that um, I like MacBook Pros more than I like Hellboy. <laughs> it's yeah. just like yeah. and I'm just picking two things that are in front of me right now. Like it, they're both very different and I love both of them and I, I interact with both of them. But it's like it, it's hard to compare the two. So obviously you can compare anything. I don't mean it that way, but. It would be up there, man. I I liked it a lot, and I need to see it again to kind of figure out how I would probably sort of uh, what doesn't work as well. On Letterboxd, I gave it four and a half out of five stars, and the only reason I didn't give it five is because I was I, I pretty much never give anything five first go around, and I've <laughs> I've maybe done like four fives on my entire time on there. Yeah. So uh, out of principle, I didn't do it, but I. I don't know what that half star is. I guess maybe just because it's not drive. <laughs> I really I, I, for, for me, that extra half a star is the tingle in my balls. Like if I <laughs> if I get that when I think about a movie, then it gets five stars. Did you give it five stars on Letterboxd? I don't think I've rated it yet. Oh, so okay. yeah, that's that's going to be interesting when I get to it. 
Yeah, it would be up there for me. What What about for you? It's absolutely up there in my top. Like I, I think for Ragnarok, and I, I made an absolute hash of coming up with my favorite Marvel movie once before because for some reason I gave it to Age of Ultron. But at the time, I was just very taken with that movie. Dude, I will back you up on that. <clears throat> let's let's really really quickly because I know this has already gone long. Really quickly <laughs> tangent off of that. That movie. There are a handful of critics and a handful of people that defend that movie and i uh cargill see robert cargill on junk food cinema is one of them i heard more more recently mm. where he was like he was like mark my words years from now people are going to change their minds about that movie people yeah. are going to come around on it and remember it differently than now to me it's frustrating because it's one of those movies that feels very much like everyone hates it because it's a popular one to hate mm-hmm. um i genuinely think it's pretty great and i i don't think it's the best marvel movie or anything like that but i don't think it's the the bad thing that everybody talks about i don't really get why people talk about it that way hmm. um it has stuff in it that i think is done there are moments in that movie that are that are some of the best in their entire universe um in, in terms of like their team and really knowing the characters um giving different characters their moments to shine like it's i i think it's a pretty good movie and it, mm-hmm. it sort of drives me insane when people talk about it like it's one of the worst the other one that i keep hearing recently that people trash on is the first thor which blows my mind too that does where, my head in because i love that and maybe it's just and because, especially because thor 2 is objectively worse yeah <laughs> like, yeah yeah like I, but I, anyway i i wonder with four like whether i i defend the first one so vehemently because it's like well that's my boy kenneth Branagh. like you can't back yeah, me yeah. off my boy um, but I, I do, I really like it as a, uh, as a movie. I think it hangs together really well. It does a Thank good you. job of, um, kind of adapting the idea of, um, of four kind of stuck on earth as a mortal, which was something that was a part of his comic book run. Um, and you know, just, just the, the humor that arises from him, not quite understanding how things work on earth. Uh, it, it's very much kind of like an alien version of, the first um, time Captain America comes into the modern day where, you know, it, it, everything is, is familiar, but somehow alien to him in, in the, the context. Um, right. But, and yeah. I get why people resonated more with Ragnarok's version of Thor, and it was a good move for them to change him. And he is mm. very different in the first movie, but he also has an arc in the first movie. He's a dickhead, mm. and he's he's supposed to be. Like, yeah. that's the entire point of his story in but that I, first movie. But I, I think that even in that first movie, you can see... The twinkle in his eye, and the that the, there is a a comic timing to him in moments of that movie that you think that it's not a completely alien concept that he could be this guy, and when he he finally does become that in Ragnarok, it, it totally works for him. And um, oh yeah, as we've said, like it bridges um, Guardians with the rest of the Marvel universe fantastically in that sense. Um, I the thing I like about Ultron is just the fact that they weren't afraid to have a villain who was funny and engaging and yep. when you think about where he comes from he he's essentially the progeny of, of Bruce Banner and uh, Tony Stark so he encapsulates that kind of wisecracking asshole nature of Tony Stark and the the idea that he's just a complete brain box and massively in love with himself and i i think that it does a really good job of that also the fake out of um hawkeye uh dying and, and then it ended up being um quicksilver 
I was kind of upset that they killed off Quicksilver as quickly as they got him. Uh, no pun intended. I'm not even sure if there is one there. But um, <laughs> I, I do like the fact that they introduced Wanda into this universe because she becomes very important in the later game as well. Not that I knew that at the time. I just yeah, thought totally. she was an interesting character. Um, and yeah, just like... Also, it gives us Vision, who is a yeah. quite an important character. And, and actually, like the whole foundation of the I relationship. I love Vision. He's great, and yeah, the I love evolution. Vision. And people, a lot of people don't like him. I and I don't understand why, because there's such an evolution of that character in such a short amount of time that by the time you get to uh, Infinity War, he's almost a completely different character because of, of the fact that again he is an amalgamation of so many things. As they point out in that movie, he's got a little bit of Stark, a little bit of Ultron, a little bit of Bruce Banner. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's been able to grow on his own as well and experience the world uh, for himself. And his relationship with Wanda has brought something out of him as well. And he's a lot more human than... Um, and that, that's not just because he looks human at the beginning of the movie, which I thought was a great idea to actually give him the um, ability to um, assume a, a much more human shape uh, because Paul Bettany doesn't have to have the makeup on all the time then. Uh, I, I think he's a really cool character and he was p- possibly overpowered um, in Civil War with the whole being able to phase in and out and all that kind of stuff. I think they've taken care of that and if he's not a character that stays dead, which I suspect he may not be, then I certainly think that the removal of the um, of the Mind Stone from him will reduce his power set substantially to the point that he will be an engaging character that you can invest in emotionally from a point of view of, I don't want to lose this guy because he's already died once and <laughs> that was when he had the fucking stone. So, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, I, like, Ultron isn't the top of my list anymore. It hasn't been for a little while, but it's nowhere near the bottom. I'd still really enjoy it as a movie. Um, so I'd, I'd say, like, Ragnarok is right up the top for me. The first Guardians is right up the top. Basically, Galactic is where I'm at. Like, Space Marvel is my jam. And then probably... I I would stick Infinity War right around the top three or four, maybe? So it's it's right up there. But as you, um, I've only seen it the once. I need to see it a few more times. And then I'll probably have a much better idea of, of where it, it really sits. But the, the thing is, you could ask me on a different day and I'd have a different answer for what my favourite movie is. It depends what my mood is because they cater for so many different moods and uh, tastes that it, I think it's very difficult. I when you, I, if, I and if you're anything like me, and I know you are, like the you, watching one of them, like you can watch any of them, and then after it's over, because so many of them are so good, you're like, oh, that's probably one of my favorites. Yeah, <laughs> but then you don't think about that <laughs> later necessarily. I th- yeah, I, my my top five go to had always been. Uh, uh, Winter Soldier, mm. um, Iron Man, Guardians, uh, Avengers, and what was the other one that I had for a long time? It wasn't Civil War. I'm trying to remember. It might have been, and it's changed now. Like I, I, I don't know if I, I, um, Doctor Strange would probably sneak in there. I really like Doctor. That's another one that it seems one. like a lot of people don't really love. Um, but I, I really like. Why I thought um, that was a good film. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's hard for me to nail it in. Some of the ones that I expected to end up in my top five didn't like Spider-Man wouldn't be in my top five, but I really like it. Hmm. And I think it's a hmm. really fun movie. I think there's, um, there's, like, for Ant-Man. there's three categories of Marvel movies for me. There's ones that enter into my kind of top, 
top top end of the list, like top table. Uh, then there's pretty much everything else on even even playing field because they're all great. And then there's whatever I don't like, which frankly at the moment I can't think of much. I, I suppose four two will inevitably be nearer the bottom of the list. Uh, That's my bottom one too. But even that one, I can watch and, and be fine with it. I, I don't hate it. I think I think it's okay. It has its moments, you know. It's it's got Mew Mew, um, which <laughs> will always make me crack a smile. Which is just a rehashed joke from the first movie. Which is like one yeah. of the problems with that movie too. It's like even that part, which is funny. It's like this is a, mo- a joke from number one. <laughs> um, the uh, I, one that, actually, you know what? I take it back. I think I said this in the, our crossover episode with Asalis. One of my ones that's in my top five for sure that people really don't seem to like, uh, but I think it's one of the most underrated ones is Iron Man three. I think that is one mm. of the most interesting ones. Part of it's cause I love, um, uh, black, uh, what's his name? Um, Oh my gosh, Shane black. Oh yeah. The writer and director, mm-hmm. but I love how they mess with the universe there. I love the carryover with the PTSD. PTSD I was love amazing. Yeah. People, everyone was pissed off about the Mandarin thing. I always liked that. I liked that they sidestepped, the racial stereotype stuff and made mm-hmm. that more of a joke, but then blended it with the extremist storyline, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Um, all of the metaphors going on, the, the humor in it, like it from moment one, when the Marvel studios logo comes up and it's playing that Eiffel 65 blue song. Cause it's set <laughs> the opening <laughs> scene set in like 1997 or something like it, it's got a great sense of humor about it. And people, either forget about it or actively dislike it. And I think that it's one of the more underrated movies for sure. I do not think it deserves dislike. I like, I, if people want to be like Blair about it, then, then that's fine. Like I, I get it. There's a lot of movies out there now. Maybe it just doesn't tick your boxes for whatever reasons, but it is in no way a bad movie. I, it, I, I refuse to believe that it is a bad movie in any way, shape or form. It's got too much going for it. Um, you know, the, like you mentioned, the PTSD, I thought was a really interesting place to go with it. Um, also, I, I, I really like Ben Kingsley's performance, like beginning to end. I thought he was great. And the swerve that he wasn't actually the Mandarin was pretty fantastic. The only, mis- the only misstep with that, honestly, was the fact that they then said that um, whatever his name was. Oh, I can't remember his name now. Australian Aldrich dude. Killian? Aldrich Killian? Yeah, like the, the the fact that they then said that he was the Mandarin, for me, that felt like a misstep. But then they kind of rescued it by saying that, and I can't remember if this was something they said definitely in the movie or if it was something that kind of came up later, that the real Mandarin was pissed off that Killian was, yeah, that was claiming. The, that one shot, that short film is really good. Drew Pierce did that one too. He wrote and directed it, Hail mm. to the King. Um, <laughs> But it, that always kind of annoyed me, too, because it was like that was the one time where it felt like Marvel was acquiescing to the fans. Yeah. To the point where the fans were like, we don't like this. And Marvel's like, OK, OK, we'll fix it. Like because they <laughs> they had done that a bunch of times. Like they made the Ten Ring thing show up in the first Iron Man. Mm. And then the Mandarin thing, people didn't people were upset about that, that bait and switch. Yeah. But to me, it wasn't even so much that Killian was the Mandarin as much as it was like that was just one of the things he's known as with the stuff that he was done, but there wasn't really uh, the Mandarin in the sense that we know from the comics didn't exist in the movies, which pissed people off, which yeah. I mean, there's I no need it, right now. There's no need for them to not have a Mandarin, frankly, like they, they've already gone balls deep into the whole mystical side of the Marvel universe. So 
you know that I I think that the main stumbling block now is going to be the potential for cultural um, insensitivity, shall we say? Um, mm-hmm. I, but then you can't have a character called the Mandarin, and then unless he's an orange, I don't see how you can have a character <laughs> called the Mandarin and not have him be of Asian descent. Um, and that's fine. The problem mm. with the comics is that they so often like went into Fu Manchu territory where yeah. it was yeah. the like, yeah, like some of the pretty bad stereotypes and, and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I, I'm not as married to the villain as I think more people were. I didn't really care. So it, it didn't bug me, but yeah, it's, it, it's just got a weird sense of humor and a sense of fun to it that mm. I, I think just, it, it was probably too different for most people. And it was also the movie right after Avengers. So I think everyone yeah. was also still riding that high of like, we got all of our Marvel heroes and we're like, this is they're at the top of their game. Mm. And then they did this movie where they were like, Hey, it's not really the Mandarin. He's this like goofy uh, alcoholic guy. Um, <laughs> and people were not happy. You know, like the, I, I, the, the evolution of, of the armor um, with the kind of remote control parts that fly to him, that, that felt very cool. And uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know why that everyone's so down on it. It's not worth being down on. It's it's a at worst, it's a solid movie. And at this point, I'm used to people not liking it, so I just am alone in my in my love. No, I'm I'm right there <laughs> with I, you, man. I yeah, I, I, I'm with you, man. Like I, there's not really a bad one to me. Thor: Dark World is my least favorite, but I'm I can watch it. There's things in it I like. Hmm. Um, but yeah, they just they're just killing it, dude. Like it's. I, I genuinely do feel bad for DC most of the time because <laughs> I think that a lot, I mean, all jokes aside, I give you crap about DC all the time and I always uh, trash talk their movies and everything. But I, I think that it's also got to be really tough for them because it's not even that Marvel has figured out a way that works for them. Marvel has figured out a way to just dominate this market yeah. and to make the most money, the most critically acclaimed movies. Like they're all really well received people just love this stuff. And when you have a track record like that, even if you have a movie that, um, isn't maybe, you know, that bad when everyone is used to this, this, not even the specific style, but a specific level of quality, it's, it's hard. Like it, it has to be hard for them to, mm-hmm. to try to figure out a way to, cause they obviously don't want to copy the Marvel. Um, like you don't want to be the competition and just exact, like rip them off. But you want to do something new and unique and different that people will still connect with, but they just haven't figured it out yet. Like yeah. Wonder Woman obviously was a big success, but um, it was also pretty isolated. And yeah, yeah, I hope they I hope they pull it off. Like, that's the thing that I always tell people that I always try to remind people about is like, I don't mm. want them to fail. I, no. I would love to have two. like, could you imagine how amazing it would be if we had, you know, both of these studios putting out two to three movies a year and they were all great. Yeah. Like you're just going back and forth. Cause then it's like the comics at the height of when com- the comics are nailing it on either side. And you're like, there's so much great stuff to read and mm. there's so many great characters and, I mean, and the, books and you don't have to be Marvel or DC. You can be both. The frustrating and, thing at the moment, as far as DC is concerned, is just the fact that they've done so well with wonder woman and, at the same time, you've got all this drama happening with Batman and the fact that Affleck seems to be pretty much done with it. And you you can recast that role 
and you can carry on but to be honest with you it feels like that they'd be better off just kind of like scrubbing the whole justice league thing and just doing some individual movies and just make money where they can make money for the time being and then maybe revisit the team thing later on with a new set of cast but there's so many things that i like about that current cast like i i think that gal godot is is really good as wonder woman and the box office certainly agrees um and i i struggle to think of anyone that could play and i'm not talking about necessarily like the thing is if if we separate um the scripting and the character that has been given to somebody to play if we separate that from the actual actor's ability to play the part i really fucking like superman at the moment Mm -hmm. like i think that the dude whose name escapes me right now is henry cavill henry cavill yeah thank you he's just perfect for that role i i cannot genuinely think of anyone else who could do that kind of job um with with what is a flawed character at the moment like they they've written a very flawed character and i keep hoping that they can rescue it and there are signs that they might be trying to but well he was my uh, notoriously i'm not somebody who loves superman and he was one of my favorite parts of justice league Mm. Uh, I, I felt like that was the first time I liked Superman in, in, a, in a Superman regress- movie. Like yeah. I, I felt like they finally sort of nailed it. They're aggressively um, rehabbing the character, and killing him was a hell of a way to rehab him. But I guess he's and, getting there. having him like tease Flash and yep. interact with everybody and be very sort of more playful. Like mm-hmm. um, I, I loved that stuff. Like yeah. I, I thought that, that was really great. It had me excited about him as a character. Mm. Uh, in that crazy, crazy movie, like one of the most interesting movies I've ever watched, where you just see two two different people fighting it out on screen that aren't heroes, <laughs> that are Joss Whedon and Zack Snyder. <laughs> two different movies it slammed is, together. It is. Uh, but you know, it, 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 I, I keep coming back to this feeling of um, just exasperation and uh, annoyance that all of the parts are in the right place, but for some strange reason, they're just not being used correctly um Mm -hmm. and it'll probably take a while before we get anything approaching a a decent team-up movie in that universe so for the time being why don't they do what they've always done really well like i look to the dc animated movies that they've put out for the last 10 years or so and not to knock marvel for anything but in comparison where, where you talk about animated movies marvel are way behind dc because yeah. DC fucking, they knock it out of the park every single time. I watched The yeah. Killing Joke the other day, and that thing was absolutely insane. They invented a whole front end for that story, and it absolutely rocked. It was so well done. Um, the Killing Joke doesn't lend itself to a full-length animated movie, because it's just not long enough of a story. When you get down to it, you could do it in a half hour. So they basically had to backfill it with, or front fill it rather, with... Barbara Gordon's last case as Batgirl and uh, why she gave up the cowl and all that kind of stuff and her complex relationship with Batman and did they or didn't they and yes they did and we're not going to talk about it though and all that kind of stuff and it's really well done and the thing is I feel like if they would just take this approach and just give it to actual flesh and blood actors and you know build actual flesh and blood sets and just make these movies with live action people they would absolutely 
they could print money off of that stuff. Oh yeah. But they just seem to have this hesitation to really trust the source material. And so off we go into gritty, realistic land with a man that can make amazing looking movies but can't tell a story worth a fucking damn. And that's probably not necessarily his fault because Schneider's always been a very good visual storyteller, but the quality of the story isn't down to him. (laughs) It's down to the script writer at the end of the day. Um, If if you could marry Zack Schneider with a really good script writer and just tell Schneider to just turn the... Get get a, a, a director of photography on that picture that would just brighten everything up just a couple of shades. Oh, we, we had that movie, man. It was, uh, I mean, not everyone loves this movie, but it was in his career. It, they mm. paired him up with James Gunn screenwriting, and it was the Dawn of the Dead remake, which is an awesome movie. Yes, it like, is. Probably his fa- probably his best movie in, in terms of like... I like that movie a lot. All around quality, yeah. Mm. And... But then from there he left. But I guess he's and... I, yeah. I guess he's done with DC or DC are done with him rather. So you find someone yeah. else and you move on. And the Batman is the next one on the slate. Let's hope that that can be good. I think it's got the potential to be. I still don't know who's playing Batman. I have I have high hopes for Aquaman. I think mm. with James Wan doing it, and obviously we know him and have talked about him a lot on Erie. Yeah, uh, being a horror director, but I, I I have pretty high hopes for that. They they showed the first footage of it. Um, and that's another thing that I love is that he is not like people on Twitter at one point were tweeting at him being like, it's really freaking me out that there's nothing out for this movie yet. It makes me feel like everything's <laughs> going wrong. And, mm. and he was like, nothing could be further from the truth. He was like, I, I do not want to release a single shred of footage until it's done. Oh, I don't want to put a trailer out there that we're still working on effects. Yeah. He was like, this is an effects heavy movie. It's really dependent on that. I want this to look as as good as it's going to get before I show it to anyone. Mm. And when they showed footage at CinemaCon or whatever it is that happens in Vegas this past week, uh, he showed footage of it. And he even said he was like, I did not want to show this footage. My overlords made me do it uh, (laughs) to show you guys. So he was like, so this is not finished footage. If I had a choice, you would not be seeing this. I love the use of the word overlords. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that his attention to quality and detail in his movies... Uh, combined with the fact that there was zero drama on set or like in the mm. production. I mean, mm. the flash movie has gone through like 17 directors. Like there's just been so much trouble with these movies. Yeah. Uh, so has honestly, me pretty convinced that this will be a hit for them. I hope so long as they don't employ a, uh, a, a suspect uh, editor to do a suicide uh, squad job on it. But yeah, or a we'll justice see. league. Yeah. Yeah. Same yeah. thing. Um, I was going to make a joke, and now I'm going to deliver it because I've just remembered it. I'm excited for Aquaman because it's going to be the first live-action movie that I've seen that has actual speech bubbles. Okay. I think we're done. <laughs> yeah, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for talking oh, with boy. me. <laughs> yeah, man.